Thanks for listening to another life-transforming message from the team here at C3 Southwest Washington. To find out more about our church, visit c3swwa.com. I want you, as you stand here or as you're at home standing, I want you to lean forward just for a moment. I feel like that we're at an amazing moment, the moment called now. You're living in it right now. And in this season that you've been through and in the season you're facing, it seems like it's, for some people, a season of being paralyzed or a season of waiting. Waiting for what's going to happen at the end of this week or the end of next week or we'll see after the election or we'll see after the inauguration or we'll see after they open schools back up. And there's this paralysis because it doesn't feel like it's the perfect time almost for anything. But I want to challenge you that right now is absolutely the perfect time for there to be some adjustments, some steps, some embracing, maybe some pushing away of key things in your life. And I'm asking you over the next several weeks to put your ear towards heaven and listen to what the Spirit of God has to say. You're finding yourself in some amazing situations you would have never dreamed that you would have ever had right now in this season of your life. And if you're stuck on your back foot, afraid that this is not the good time for anything, you're actually going to miss the perfect time for specific things. And I believe that this message not only applies to me and to you, to us as a church family, it's the right time for many specific things. And so while we talk over the next several weeks about maybe micro concepts, I want you to lean forward and begin to ask yourself about some of the macro concepts for your life. Amen. I look out across this room and I'm, I watch. Some of you are business owners. Some of you used to be business owners and now you work for a company or you're dreaming about the future, your business expanding or out of the blue for some of you, brand new job opportunities have been offered or positions have opened up in your world or relationships have shifted. Maybe someone brand new has been added or someone long-term and fixed has been removed. This is the perfect time for you to shift forward into the things that God has you to do on the micro and the macro. Let me just pray for you, okay? Father, I thank you for each person in the room, those who are at home. Father, to have an ear, as Ecclesiastes says, for such a time as this, it is the perfect time, maybe to plant or to pull up, but it is the right time. Now is the perfect time to take the next step in you. Father, to impact our world, to see our lives radically shift into the better things that you have. Oftentimes, Lord, when it's a dark time, people, people shrink back, but that is the perfect time for faith to rise and our enemies to be scattered. It was in a difficult time that David stood on a battlefield and said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And history was written on one of the darkest days that everybody else was paralyzed, but he was not. And so we thank you for your people. I speak blessing over each of them. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen and amen. You can give the Lord a big hand and you can be seated, okay? Uh, it's great to be with you. And I'll just dive right into the scripture and try to, try to move through my time here today. We're living in a season where people actually, this topic that I want to dial in today, people are looking to... Uh, 
It's a day and age of cancel culture. Many of you know what that means. I mean, somebody makes a step that you're unhappy with, and they no longer exist. Maybe in your world or on the social world or in the political world, people make a post, they lose their job, they lose their career. And it seems like we're on this insatiable hunt to cancel people, to degrade them, and to humiliate them. There's a TV show. I just watched it for... uh, for information. I don't watch this regularly, but I came across a TV show called Cheaters. And the idea of the show Cheaters is you hire a private investigator because you're concerned that the person that you love is not being faithful to you. And so this investigator, not only does he go out to look for that information, because let's be honest, that information would be important if you're in a relationship, but he takes a camera crew with him So that in the moment that there is evidence that there's been unfaithfulness of any sort, not only will that person be confronted in a very public, awkward forum, but it will be plastered over the TV for your friends, for your family, and your extended world to know. In fact, people you don't even know will be cheering for your downfall on national TV. And so in the pursuit of looking to crush someone, there is actually a payoff. There is something desired. There is a a thing that is fed upon that seemingly makes that person at that moment who catches someone else, it fuels them and adds something to their life and helps them to rise a little bit higher. And it seems like there is nothing sacred and any evidence will absolutely qualify. And so what I want to say to you is in the society, the culture that we're living in right now, you will have opportunity and evidence to humiliate and destroy one, someone coming up, if you haven't already. Anybody, you've, been, you've had that moment. And it could just simply be someone you don't even know posting something you don't like on Facebook, but you are going to let them row right now, right there, in no uncertain terms, exactly why they should no longer be a human being on this planet. Not that you've ever done that, but you've seen other people do that. Um, but now is the perfect time. I want to challenge you in this very, very toxic culture to do the exact opposite biblical step forward. You'll remember that in Matthew chapter 1, uh, Joseph, being a just man, he was unwilling to put his fiance to shame when she showed up pregnant. It's an incredibly admirable quality. Um, there's a great scripture, Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9. It says, whoever covers offense seeks love. But he who repeats a matter separates close friends. There's a picture there of covering offense. And I'll go a little farther to give you the picture. It, it, it means when something bad happens, like cheaters, for example, when your investigator discovers that there's dirt on someone, or you come across a person's worst day, or they blow it, or they maybe even blow it all over you. They come after you wrongfully so. There comes an incredible moment here where it says, to cover an offense seeks love. It's not ignoring the offense. It's not trying to hide the offense, but it's trying to protect, to clothe, to forgive it, and to keep it from getting into the hands of those who would exploit it. You you see what I'm saying here? Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12 says, hatred will stir up strife, but love covers all offenses. So the title that I want to give to you for today's message is, now is the perfect time to offer cover. It's that picture of there is offense, whether you saw it, it's happening, or it's happening to you to actually cover it, not to ignore it, not to pretend it didn't happen, 
but to protect it in a way so that God can do what only God can do and bring about health and healing for all who are involved. Is this phenomenal verse that I've never preached out of, Genesis chapter 9, verse 20 through 23, out of the life of Noah. The flood has already happened. His family has gotten off the ark. He's been given permission to eat meat. How many of you said amen? And some of you didn't say amen, and that's okay too, right? Um, and Noah begins to live his life on the soil. And it says, Noah began to be a man of the soil. And he planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. And then Shem and Japheth took a garment and they laid it on both of their shoulders and they walked backwards. And here's that word. They did what? They covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward, and they did not see their father's nakedness. And so this is that same picture of covering. And I love the beauty of this picture. Now, let me give you a couple of points that I think are going to be some valuable step-forward um, um, aspects of how to cover someone how to, how to, and how to hopefully see yourself covered. Because anybody in here ever had a bad day? A couple of you, maybe recently, maybe it was yesterday. You're like, I wish that person was here to hear this so they would know how to handle me, right? Because this will be helpful not just through you, but hopefully back to you as well. Uh, I'm going to give you a couple principles here. Number one, as a believer, we need to live our lives with a pocket full of what we call mulligans. Now, I'm not a golfer. I've tried golf, and in the Pacific Northwest, I think they should outlaw golf because it basically takes place in the rain. And I, that didn't make any sense to me at all. When I lived on the East Coast, if it started raining, contractors shut down, truck drivers pulled over. I mean, rain is like, like acid. You, don't, you can't do anything in that. And in order to play golf here in the Northwest, you have to be an avid golfer in the rain. And I didn't enjoy that, so I quit golfing, and I love the Northwest, but I don't want to take a long walk with a stick in the rain. But a mulligan is something that I would use a lot of anyways. It's when you swing the golf club, and you hit the ball, and it tapers off in a direction that uh, it shouldn't. You are able to claim what they call a mulligan if your friends allow you to do that. It is basically a do-over. It's almost as if you didn't do that. It's not that you didn't do it, but there's some grace being offered by everybody playing on this this course together to give you a, a do-over. It's agreed upon. It really is like forgiveness. You know, forgiveness happens in, in a culture of people, in a family, in a group of friends, where some, an infraction takes place, and it's not ignored, but the person owns up to it, and we all recognize you need another shot. And so we agree to do that. That's a part of our Christianity. And so living life with a pocket full of mulligans becomes the thing that I want to suggest, not that you pull out a mulligan necessarily for yourself, because uh, we want to build a culture where we're offered mulligans. By the way, you don't get to decide out on the golf course with no one knowing that you're just going to take a mulligan. That's called cheating. <laughs> mulligans get offered to you, right? And this is the key of what I'm talking about. I'm not stressing loose living. I'm encouraging helping people to grow in an atmosphere where there's an opportunity to give it another shot. You know, the Bible regularly talks about and features wine, and here it does as well in Noah's life. Now, it prohibits drunkenness. Can I have an amen? amen. The Bible's very clear. Do not be drunk with wine or anything else. Intoxication, other than by the Holy Spirit, is strongly uh, con uh, not condoned in Scripture. However... 
It also goes on to warn about the dangers of alcohol. There are dangers associated with alcohol, but the scripture doesn't prohibit specifically the use of alcohol. Now, I'll say this, that that leaves us all in a spot where some people in our church family and in our world might participate with alcohol, have a glass of wine at dinner time, and some people will not. And that decision is based very strongly on how the scripture approaches it. And I would say to you that there is the right thing to do is the right thing that you've decided to do. Be smart, be thoughtful, have a conviction about this. There are some people think that it's okay to drink alcohol, but clearly they can't find that line of drunkenness, and that's living proof, like what happens to Noah here, why maybe you going forward should not embrace the use of the freedom of alcohol. And so I love the picture in scripture where we get to navigate forward. Well, Noah finds himself drunk, so much so to the point that he's exposed in his house, laying around. And we read a little farther where he's at a moment where his wrong has to be dealt with. It's, it's wrong. It, did, it happened. You just can't ignore it. But as his son comes in, Noah needs someone to cover him. I didn't say hide his sin. I didn't say condone his sin. But at this moment, He's going to need some help. He's naked, he's older, and it's a moment of humiliation, right? He actually, in this moment, is going to need that mulligan. And what happens is his son Ham does not give him one. In fact, his son, in this setting, it's kind of like the culture we live in. He gets a quick Instagram selfie with his dad and pushes it out there on the internet, right? But his other two sons, Shem and Japheth, they did. They come in. They, they are so concerned about this compromising position their dad is in, they don't ignore it. They back up with a covering and don't look at him and cover him up. Ham, the middle son, doesn't handle the situation correctly. Noah, Noah did not handle the situation correctly. <laughs> Do we got that? He's drunk and naked. That's a problem, right? But Ham did not handle the situation correctly either. And the truth is, he, in handling his situation incorrectly, and this is not a part of the storyline, Ham, the son who takes the selfie of him and his dad, he actually needs some covering in this moment as well. And he doesn't get it either. Let me go a little farther. Uh, the truth is, he needed somebody to cover him. He needed a mulligan. And my point being here that others are going to fall into your world, and they will have a story to tell. Uh, I'm sorry. Others are going, going to fail in your world, and there's going to be a story to tell. It's going to be juicy. It's going to be graphic. It's going to be amazing. Anybody got some stories like that? I've got a bunch of them, Okay. Uh, others are going to fail you in horrific ways. Some of you know what it is to be betrayed. It doesn't make you special. It doesn't make you any different than anyone else. It happened to Jesus. It'll happen to you in your lifetime. And there's going to be some who unintentionally injure you. And you are going to have to handle them, and you will still also have a story. You are going to do both yourself. And I just want to challenge you as a believer in those moments to reach down deep and to be used by God to gracefully cover and handle a mulligan when it's happening in your world. I have seen in my younger life where I have blown this over and over, and many times uh, I wish I could get a do-over and go back and have handled that better. 
but we have an opportunity today as we move forward to grow in our walk with Christ, okay? So does that make sense? Live your life with a pocket full of mulligans. Number two, fund your life with this word called discretion. Discretion is very close to that word covering. Discretion would be not ignoring what's happening, but handling it in a way where it's covered, where it's safe, where it's protected. Again, remember Joseph and Mary, she shows up pregnant and she's saying it's God. What a great story to tell all of your friends. I broke up with my girlfriend. Get that. Wait for it. No, listen. Wait for this. She says she's pregnant. Wait for it. By God. God. Yes. And yet his compassion for her, he wants to handle it with a covering, with discretion. You know, uh, Noah's son saw his drunkenness and his nakedness, and he exposed him. And the question becomes, why? Why do we handle these things without discretion? Why do people handle these things without discretion with us? Why does Ham run outside of the tent and say, brothers, oh my gosh, wait till you see dad. He is like drunk off of his brain, and he sprawled out over the couches, and he stripped naked. What drives him in that moment to arrive in that type of posture with that type of news? I promise you, I don't know. I can speculate, but there was a payoff. There always is a payoff to not be discreet. Let me give you a couple that I've imagined if I had been him. Maybe you're getting back at your father for something he did previously to him. Dad's been really strict with me. He's like, son, do the right thing. Oh, yeah? Do the right thing? Let me show you the right thing. Click! Me and dad, and dad's naked, right? It's to get dad back. You've never felt that way, right? Not you. Uh, maybe he was trying to prove to his brothers that his dad wasn't perfect either. Oh, dad's so tough on me. Listen, dad is a righteous man, and what he is saying is correct. Do what he's saying. He knows what he's talking about. He did build this ark. Don't you remember that? And it rained. Dad's not perfect. See? Click! See? See what I'm telling you? And so it allows a payoff to prove to his brothers his dad wasn't perfect. Or maybe it was leverage with his brothers. Sometimes when you show up into a relationship where you are, don't quite measure up, you can bring something into that relationship that helps you to stand on someone else. Right? Maybe you're competing for a job at work. This has never happened to any of you. Never, I've never counseled anybody who's been in this situation where they're going for a job interview, they're competing against someone else, and their strategy becomes to point out to the boss doing the interview why the other person candidating is a horrible choice. Let me show you why. Let me say something very controversial that's political. Let me lean forward. I long for the day where people run on their own integrity and their own agenda and their own policy without crushing their opponents with no area that's sacred. I say that across the board to anyone. Now, I'll say this. I had somebody say, we long for statesmen. And I would say if we would act like people of the state, we would be worthy of a statesman. Because a people who are addicted to cheaters should not expect politicians who are any different. Okay, that felt good to me. It felt good to say it. Okay. Um, sometimes 
maybe in, uh, maybe in uh, Ham's life, he felt insecure. And actually, for his dad to fail actually brought him a greater sense of self-worth. That really does fuel people. We want so desperately the people on the top to fall because then we feel better about ourselves. Mm. Maybe he, like us, lived in a culture filled with gossip, slander, and humiliation, and this now made him the guy with the most recent story. Breaking news. Breaking news! Look what I got caught on camera. And so there's such an addiction to all of that in our culture, but that is ultimately the payoff. Ham did this for a reason. He wasn't discreet because the payoff for not being discreet was far greater in his mind than being discreet. To walk away from a moment to show the selfie is a missed opportunity in some people's mind. But I want to show you here in Scripture that there is actually a payoff for the degradation. There's the payoff of showing the selfie, but then there's a paycheck that you begin to cash after you do that over a period of time. Discretion has a payoff, and so does the degradation. Shem and Japheth, the oldest son and the youngest son, they refused to look upon their father's weak moment, and they covered it. Noah awakes. News was already spreading. He checked Instagram, and there he was, right? Noah experienced both discretion and humiliation. He got discretion from his two sons, but he experienced the humiliation from his middle son, Ham. Each son moved forward receiving a payoff. Ham's payoff, we'll talk about in a moment, but was the thrill of the exposure. Whatever it was that he got for sharing that, he cashed the check. But Noah spoke out and he blessed all three sons. First, he blessed the oldest. He blessed under the covering of God. He blessed his son, Shem. What a great moment that you come out of a situation of your own failure and you are still using your mouth to bless people. Gosh, I, this is like really good stuff. This is Jesus hanging on the cross, being, being mocked, and he still pushes out blessing and favor from his mouth. Father, forgive them. You understand what, this is what Jesus was doing, being discreet. You're crucifying me! Do you not know who I am? No, what he does is he responds with discretion. Father, they don't know what they're doing. Amazing, amazing, beautiful thing. Noah um, experienced both, so he speaks that blessing over Shem, who covered him, and he speaks the blessing over the younger brother, Japheth, and the blessing is that God would enlarge him in such a way that his older brother would even provide for his dwellings in the future. Now, here's the fascinating thing. Ham, this middle son, who, who failed in this moment. Noah failed, and so did Ham. Noah received covering, and he covered, but he only covered those who covered him. And I want to challenge you, this is the unwritten portion of this scripture, to go the extra mile to cover even people who don't cover you. This is, this is, this is, I find this is, this is real life stuff that, that you, you live in this season. Noah said, it's interesting also, Noah did not speak a blessing over his son. He doesn't even mention his son. 
He skips a generation and he speaks out a curse on his own grandson. And he says, Canaan, you will be the servant of your cousins and uncles for the rest of your generations. So instead of offering a mulligan, he takes the stroke, ignores his son who failed, and he impacts generations to come. I want to tell you, your discretion will cash a check not only in your life, but cash a check in the lives of your family, in your children, in your grandchildren. Because probably when you're the most angry, the people who know it the most will be the people who are the closest. And if you're cash and degradation paychecks, your children will hear you and your grandchildren will hear you and that stuff will get on them. I was talking with someone recently. I was so proud of them. They had a really tough moment where a broken relationship had happened over years, and this relationship came to an end by means of death. And I challenged this person. I said, you have this most amazing moment ever to be able to look into the eyes of people who expect you to have a disgusting, dirty, angry story to tell. And what I would challenge you is in this moment to be discreet. That actually, instead of toxicity that should flow out of you, share a few great stories because there are probably a few. Wow, what an impact that person will have on their children and grandchildren and stories for generations to come. Remember that. Your lack of discretion or your discretion will impact not only your immediate surroundings, but it's going to impact the generations to come. How do you want to fund your world? Here's a great verse. Proverbs talks about discretion. Chapter 3, verses 21 through 24. It says, my son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom in what? Discretion. That's covering. It's not that something bad isn't going to happen. It's not that you're not going to be sinned against or observe sin. But discretion, it goes on to say, actually has some payoffs. What are they? They will be life for your soul. What is your soul? Spirit, soul, and body. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Do you understand that when you are discreet, you actually fund your emotional well-being? Because I don't know about you, but when I'm talking about how angry I am at someone or a situation or politics or what's happening in our world, the stuff coming out of my mouth actually poisons my body, the room that I'm in and anyone who is standing there and then goes out through all sorts of other means into the world that I live in. And that's how we end up with the world that we're living in right now. It's a corporate, collective atmosphere that we've created because life and death is in the power of the tongue. Scripture goes on to say, there'll be life for your soul. Life is joy, peace in the Holy Ghost. You'll never have that if you're not discreet, if you're constantly pointing out, did you see this video? Listen, just for anybody who's watching, I can't watch all the videos that you send me links for. Just newsflash here. I cannot watch them all. I have the same access to the internet that you have. I check it all out. I try to be well balanced. I don't have 17 hours a day to watch everyone's videos. Just disclaimer, I'm not ignoring you. Your opinion's valuable. I don't have the time. God bless you. Thank you for thinking of me. Okay. <laughs> There'll be life for your soul. There'll also be an adornment for your neck. Beautiful set of earrings my wife is wearing today. I bought those for her on our anniversary. I was thinking, they sure look good. Not as good as the ears they're hanging on, but they look beautiful. And as beautiful as they look, discretion looks like something in our lives. 
He goes on to say, then you will walk on your way securely. People who are discreet attract discretion, so they're a little bit more secure. Your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you don't have to be afraid. When you lie down, you sleep. Your sleep will be what? It'll be sweet? Come on, it'll be sweet. How many of you know when you get embroiled in the political mess, the, the cultural mess? Yes, we have to make a stand. Yes, there are times when we have to say specific truths. But we don't have to eat these things day, night, while we sleep. Otherwise, we will get no rest. Let me give you my final point as I wrap it up here. Finally, whether dealing with, uh, finally, uh, set your thermostat to honor. Now, right now, I'm looking at some of you, you're shivering. Very challenging to heat and cool this up. Those of you who had home in your jammies, you wouldn't know what we're talking about. But being here at the hub, this room can heat up pretty quick. Five more bodies in this room, uh, designed for three cars. Uh, quickly, uh, the atmosphere is impacted. And believe it or not, when people get tired, then they get a little groggy. And the last thing I want to do is try to preach to groggy people. So my theory is if we can bring you close to the freezing point, you'll be alert. It's really about me... It's really about me feeling good about me. I want to see people that are at least, they're shaking, but maybe it's the spirit of God on them and they're dialed into what's happening in the room. That thermostat, which I am not in charge of, but I'm not afraid to send a text occasionally. <laughs> Is it too hot in here? It's not just a question. <laughs> oh, those of you who know me, you know me. I don't care about the big things. There could be a fire. The field could be on fire. Are the chairs straight? Because that's what matters. Is the temperature exactly right so these people can hear from God? Um, you know, there's a setting for your thermostat of your life, and it can be the setting of honor. i got to be honest with you. This has been something that I should have known. I mean, there's some things about your, your walk with Jesus that... God adjusts over time. Some things he just supernaturally downloads and you know. And then there's other things that you, you experience over time that God deals with. And then there's sometimes it takes an entire new culture to be injected into to discover this new culture. Honor would be something 25 years ago. I would say, yeah, honor's important. But I would have never realized that it's a culture. And when it's injected into a family, into a corporation or into a church family, that it's something that you walk in, you can't quite define, but it, you, you, there's benefits that are received from it. And in a setting in the world that we're living in, it becomes very easy to function in a culture of dishonor. Look, I know that there's bad things going on in our world today, but as we address them, even in prayer, we've got to make sure that we do it honorably. You know, the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, the Bible says of Michael the archangel that when refuting Satan, he did not become disrespectful. In fact, the Bible says, he said, the Lord rebuke you. Now, he could have said, you low-life, disgusting piece of trash, demon from hell. He could have done all of those things. And those preach and those sound good, but they create a culture of disrespect. So while we will pray for specific things in this church, we'll pray for righteousness, the end of genocides, and all of those types of things, I refuse to go to a place where we become disrespectful to people regardless of who they are. Now, I might bounce around. I'm a human being like everyone else. But we don't pray that God kills 
one of our political leaders. We don't compare them to Hitler unless they're doing things that Hitler did. And I'm sorry, we're not living in that world right now. We're living in challenges, but Jesus was always respectful except for one group of people, and this is always interesting. He wasn't disrespectful even to politicians. He spoke strongly about snakes and vipers, and those were believers who acted like unbelievers. He dealt with his kids with his belt. With the rest of the world, he covered to win them into that spot of being able to do something in their life. We're so stuck on payment. And if you dial your thermostat on payment, getting what what you want, they, they need to be put in their place. That will be a culture of dishonor, but set your thermostat at honor. Ham got it. In the uncovering, he set his thermostat to get what he wanted and he exposed something he shouldn't have and had his whole life exposed. But in the New Testament, uh, well, Noah also got it. He lashed out at his son. And his grandson, Canaan, do you understand who Canaan is? The Canaanites, the enemies of God. We have to be careful about how we handle people's failures. We're never going to be perfect at it, but we have to strive to do it well. That's why the New Testament, because another one more real important thing. I'm not going to go over time. You're going to, you're going to say, I'm going to step down a second. Stand with me. Is that there's a difference between how we handle things in the Old Testament and how we handle things in the New Testament. I hear more and more people talking in this day and age about the Old Testament because that's where we burn people to the stake. But what did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44? Because now this is the kingdom of heaven has come near. He says this, but I say to you, love your enemies and, and pay back those that persecute you. Pay them back, right? I'm, don't, don't, don't say amen at this point. I mean, here I'm, I'm, I'm twisting scripture right now for you theologians, okay? The Bible says, uh, hate your enemies and, and push back on those who push on you. Now, what does it say? Love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. It's because in the New Testament, we inject something that's countercultural, that creates a space where someone who has failed horrifically, instead of being lynched like the woman caught in adultery, met the Savior of the universe. Why? Simply because, simply because of Jesus' discretion. That power is in your hands. Amen. So I want to challenge you tonight, today. Maybe in your little bit in your rearview mirror, but definitely coming up, there's going to be this great opportunity for you to walk into the house and find someone in their worst situation. And I want to challenge you at that moment to be used by God, to be the person that carries the favor of God even into a person who doesn't deserve it, which is all of us, right? carry the favor of God, not to hide what they've done, because that, that'll backfire, but to cover it, to handle it appropriately and experience all that God has for you. Wouldn't you stand with me and with your hands raised? Let's, let me pray over you. Father, thank you for each person in this room. Beautiful people who love you. Beautiful people who have maybe struggled to offer covering, maybe haven't been offered covering, living in a world that's toxic, that's stealing covering. In fact, we'll trick someone, get them drunk, take their clothes off, and then take a selfie. 
That's the type of world we're living in. But God, you've called us to something higher. You've called us to love our enemies, to bless those that persecute us. And so right now at this moment, we step in to this perfect time to offer covering. It's in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, leaders, and what we do at C3 Church, visit our website at c3swwa.com.